Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. If you take the highlights of the home opener, goals, fights, scrums, penalties, and everything, and just play it all in 30 seconds, you could use it as a five-gum ad. (laughs) Jesus. I'm not even trying to be funny here. Like, genuinely, like, what was that game? We said if they were going to be bad, hopefully that at least be exciting. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I know they just blew a three-goal lead and lost in overtime in a devastating way. But that has to be the most entertaining Detroit Red Wings game I've watched in a long time. And there have been entertaining ones. Like, Veronica joined the team and scored four goals. Like, there's not been a lack of any entertainment over the past season or two. But, oh, my goodness, was that game insane. It kept Evan awake past his bedtime. He's way past my bedtime. He's whining and moaning, as you as you will be able to see. But genuinely, if the game's exciting enough to keep Evan up, that's a testament to something. This truly is an abusive relationship. <laughs> Just when you think the Red Wings might have turned a little bit of a corner... Up 6-3. Was that the biggest lead? 4-1 was the biggest? Oh, that's a problem. They had a 4-1 lead. Yeah. See? There it goes. Was it 4-1 at some point? I think so. Yes, it was. Who can remember? I think there was every possible score combination. That was in the first period six hours ago. (laughs) Someone in the... uh, We did a YouTube live stream kind of impromptu, as you might be able to tell if you were in there. Uh, Someone said, hope you took the over on this game. (laughs) 13 goals. I think the Red Wings themselves covered the over. Uh, I think it was either five and a half or six and a half. If it was five, they they were dancing right around it. Yeah. On it was like 25 or 26 shots, too. Like Vasilevsky was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Bad game. Bad game. Okay. Uh, before we get into all that, uh, let's jump in with an intro. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. The puck has dropped. We have a game under our belts. Red Wings hockey is back, and I mean that in every sense of the word. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On the docket today, we are obviously going to talk about what just happened in that home opener. I came into this episode worried it'd be a boring one, and that is absolutely not an issue. Uh, We recorded an interview with Ken Daniels, lead announcer for the Detroit Red Wings, um, before today. So this is uh, a pre-home opener interview just to talk about the outlook for the season for the team. Uh, So we'll we'll jump to that as well. And we'll take some overtime questions. It is very late right now. And so I don't know how long this episode will last. We'll probably just cover the game and that's it before jumping into some overtime questions. Um, All right, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about I think what it's insane to think that there's an obvious biggest story here, but the biggest story of the game has to be Dylan Larkin being ejected for a, what would they call it? Attempt to injure on Matthew Joseph. I don't know. I, I, are, are we going to start with the, that because that's going to turn into a broader conversation on the refs. Cause that was a bit of a shit show. Well, and that could turn into a broader conversation about the direction the league wants to head this year with, said refs we're gonna start with that and if okay. we need to put a pin in it we will okay um for for those who haven't watched or for those who just love hearing us talk about crazy shit um what happened was dylan larkin was hit from behind into the boards by matthew joseph dylan larkin who literally just played his first regular season game since being uh on the receiving end of a dirty cheap shot by jamie ben at the end of last towards the end of last season 
went through a grueling neck injury and recovery where he barely avoided surgery. First game back, hit from behind, no call on the play. Joseph ended up with a roughing penalty at the end of all of this. Yeah. Nothing was called on the hit behind. Yeah, because I know we were tweeting about this and some people were in my comments. I can't believe Matthew Joseph only got two minutes for that. He did not get a penalty for that. No. He got a penalty, a two-minute roughing for the uh, scrum after. Yes. So let's be clear. He did not receive a penalty for what is likely a suspendable hit from behind. Uh, Larkin got up, saw Joseph, and immediately swung at his face. It punched him as he was skating away. And it was funny because as we were live streaming, and so we were kind of just watching the game and the height of emotions i was like i don't know if i'm being biased here but it looked like he just kind of glanced joseph and joseph went down pretty easy and then they showed like a third replay and (laughs) joseph's face like contorted like when someone gets punched (laughs) in boxing i was like we were all like oh no he connected um and then a scrum ensued bertuzzi larkin both gloves off immediately obviously um and yeah larkin got five in a game and joseph got a two minute minor and someone else got a two minute minor and that was it yeah. Uh, Detroit ended up with a four on three power play coming out of it immediately because of um, one of the Tampa guys getting third man in or something like that. Um, and then, but because of the major, Tampa ended up with a three minute power play after that, to which John Cooper was angry because he was pissed off. I don't, I don't know. Um, Detroit scored on the four and three and then Tampa scored two on the major. So worked out for them. And Detroit was missing their best player for the rest of the game. Cause this was what early in the second. Um, or was it in the first? I have to, I'm trying to look up the box score. Yeah. I can't remember. But either way, the Red Wings were without Dylan Larkin for most of the game. And I mean, I know it's a coach's job to get on the refs so his team knows he's fighting for them, but that one came off to me as pretty a pretty bad look just because of Matthew Joseph should have also pretty obviously been tossed from the game. So if the only bad thing that came out of that for Tampa was a two-minute penalty kill. Half, halfway through the second. Just halfway about. through the second, yeah. So Detroit had went half the game without Larkin. I don't know. That, that's the type of stuff that bothers me. If a... If a if a coach wants to yell for a trip that wasn't called or a rough that was called that he felt, sh- sh- sure, I get it. I get your players get fired up when the coach gets fired up and that's every coach should yell about every call. Like, I get it. But man, when you like have your W, take it. Even if you only bark at the ref for like 10 seconds just to get a point across, then shut up. Okay, fine. I like There was people who legit thought Cooper was going to get tossed for how much he was yelling, and I, I could not wrap my head around why he was that angry. I don't give a shit about John Cooper yelling. Every coach will take it further than we think they need to. What I want to talk about... Sorry, I actually just dismissed your point completely. What I mean to say is Blasio will do that. Cooper will do that. Jeremy Every coach to, does yeah. it, but like he was going hard like it's he okay let's look at it from the other point of view uh uh, john cooper doesn't care about he doesn't really know the context or is not thinking about the context of dylan larkin has been dummied and punked on and suckered so many times in his career larkin got tossed so he shouldn't even care right he he came away victorious in that exchange he was wrong i agree he's wrong anyhow larkin being ejected Coming away, like at, cooling down as a fan watching the play, my read is outside of everything else, yeah, it's the right call. Yeah, Larkin 
he cold cocked a guy. That's <laughs> definitely can't be. He got his money's worth. That's for sure. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to if if you're gonna cold cock a guy, you connect. Yes, and he did, and he got tossed, and that is the right call. So I'm not saying, oh yeah, Lurkin should have got a two minute roughing for punching a dude square in the jaw, UFC style. Okay, no, it's fine, but. Man, the NHL wanted to crack down on cross-checking, period, and Larkin gets cross-checked from behind, head first into the boards, and there's not even a penalty on the play. Like, no wonder he sucker-punched the guy. Like, I, yeah, I, I agree he should have got tossed, and I agree that Larkin should have defended himself there. Yeah. It's, it's meathead hockey, like, that's just the caveman in us talking, but you got to defend yourself. There's too many ti- too many instances of this happening to Larkin. And as we saw by no penalty called on the play, the refs in the Department of Player Safety has never and will never defend Larkin on that play. I'm happy he took it into his own hands. I'm no, happy. Yeah. And I was talking about this earlier. Now, I'll have to get into a broader point after because perspective changes the game went on. But at the moment of that play, the first thing I thought of was the Milan Lucic-Ryan Miller incident from years ago where Lucic barreled over Miller in a pretty dirty play. Yeah. And the Buffalo Sabres did They did just nothing. Shit. Yeah, I They remember. let him get away with it. Uh, Steve Dangle did a video on that a while back, and it was a very good video, and he called it the punk test. That was the Bruins punking the Sabres, going, we can do whatever we want, and you can't touch us. So a hit like that, that's a punk test. If you get up and do nothing, Tampa knows they can do whatever the hell they want in your barn to your best player, and it doesn't matter. Bertuzzi and Larkin said, nope, yep. not doing that shit to us. So Matthew Joseph will probably think twice before doing that because Larkin will try and rearrange his jaw again, which again, I understand hockey culture is stupid, broken, and none of this shit should apply and the refs should just do their goddamn job. So this isn't even an issue. I get all that. But since the refs in this league for years and years and decades and decades are incapable of protecting the players, the punk test applies and the Red Wings have to pass it. And at that moment in time, they passed it. And unfortunately, because of all that shit that went down there, the game devolved. Nothing of that was getting called. And it led directly to an identical hit on Michael Rasmussen in the third period. Well, they learned, Brad. They they gave oh, it they gave a minor. Two yeah, 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 they learned. Don't worry. And because it was a, what, one or two goal game at that point late in the third period, the Red Wings could not pass the punk test because they could not afford to give up the power play. They could not afford to give Tampa power play. They could not afford to let Tampa back in the game. Now, Red, now the Red Wings being who they are as a team did that anyway. But it's it's unacceptable. These are two. These were, I think this was Eric Furlat and somebody, one of the more veteran referee combos in the NHL. So I don't know if they live by this old school code. And I'm not even going to get on them about the ticky-tack hooks and trips and all the other garbage they missed. I don't even care about that. That's not a player safety problem. The Red Wings had two players who could have suffered severe injuries like broken necks or concussions on these two plays. Both Tampa players got to continue in the game. One of the Red Wings didn't. And one of the Tampa players who should have been tossed scored the overtime winner. Mm -hmm. I am not the guy to sit here and blame a loss on a ref. I am not. Like, because I've, man, every Red game, every, every hockey game in the NHL, is for the most part poorly refed. I get it. It's going to go your way some nights. It's going to go against you some ways. It usually doesn't go so far as to actually swing a game, even if you think it does. Tonight, 
went far enough to swing a game because the guy who scored the overtime winner shouldn't have been playing. If it was a major on that hit with like six minutes left, the Red Wings have a power play with a two goal lead basically to run the game out. So Tampa probably doesn't catch up there. But more importantly, players could have got hurt severely and nothing was done. And it's the NHL tried to crack down on this cross-checking mandate in the offseason. And then you get this game one. Evan, like, come on, Evan. I am legally required to stop Brad from speaking for more than seven minutes without a breath. His doctors have called me a couple times. <laughs> we can't. Inf- uh, we don't have that insurance liability. No, we don't pay for that insurance, so we need to jump in. Um, the ref show was annoying, and it was annoying. I think, especially as a Red Wings fan, because of how ineffectual the penalty kill was. Tampa Bay's hyper talented Stanley Cup champion level players dissected. The Red Wings power play, however many times that was, uh, which ultimately led to them coming back and winning the game. One last thing on the on the Larkin conversation. Suspension or no suspension, what do you anticipate is incoming? Spin the wheel. <laughs> could be seven, could be nothing. I have to imagine, and if you think that this justification is bullshit, you're right, but welcome to the Department of Player Safety. I have to imagine that because he missed a half a game in which Tampa Bay came back and won it, the league will look at that and say, that's, pain enough. Yeah, that's pain enough right there, right? Like the Wings lost their game. Like that made an impact on the ice. This is signed and sealed. And also the refs missed an egregious hit from behind. So I'm guessing no suspension, maybe a fine because it was a, I don't know. But then again, they did call it like an attempt to injure or whatever. I don't know. Usually when someone gets tossed from a game, if it's a borderline suspension, it usually doesn't end in a suspension. I'd love to say that uh, Plot and Joseph should probably get one game each. Uh, they, won't, they won't get looked at. Guaranteed. They're not even a fine. I 1,000% know that, even though they should. But no, with Larkin getting tossed from the game, usually that's punishment enough if it's nothing severe which I don't think this is. I may have the blind. I, I will admit I may have blinders on right now. We might be looking at a game or two just because it was like a very concerted punch <laughs> face, a cold cock. Darren McCarty quote, it's not a sucker punch. It's a cold cock. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, but it was an attempt. It's just annoying because they're going to look at it in a vacuum and everyone who has eyes um, saw that and said, well, no, because there's context to it. Anyhow, even if even if Larkin gets suspended two games, I honestly say, good on him, good on him because it's he got his money's worth at least. What did uh, what did no one doing anything to Jamie Ben do? Nothing. What did no one doing anything to any time Larkin got absolutely obliterated with a dirty hit? It's anyhow. Let's talk about a happy note. Tyler Bertuzzi hasn't played hockey in roughly thirty six months. It feels like had that terrible injury, had surgery, had to recover from back surgery really had to deal with the rust and everything of the offseason. First regular season game back, absolutely electric, Detroit's best player, four-goal night on an opening night, Anthony Mantha style. Holy shit, did this team miss Tyler Bertuzzi. And one of them was a goal of the year candidate where he pulled pulled it through his own legs, split through Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergachev, and then ripped it blocker side on Vasilevsky. His skating tonight still looked bad like rusty and he was so effective with the puck it didn't even matter this bodes well for me because my beer league the first game of the year is on sunday and i haven't played in what is probably 36 months 
So if I don't put up four goals, I'll be very disappointed you, in myself. You gotta you gotta rip it between your your feet and. Uh, oh, I'm I got the tinted visor ready to go. Oh yeah, no, it was, and his goal got uh, Mort Sider his first point. Yep, first point in his NHL career. Um, he actually had two that night on Bert, uh, Bertuzzi's fourth goal coming out of the box, um, off a. Of, you know, Bertuzzi was in the box for a pretty fair penalty. It was actually two penalties in one, really. Uh, came out, beat the Tampa Bay defense to the puck, um, beat Vasilevsky, who was terrible all night, and Moritz Sider got two points. So he might not hit 164 points on the year, but we can probably pencil him in for 150 in the Calder now, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Lucas Raymond as well. I think the game got insane, and so I can't tell if I just stopped noticing Lucas Raymond or his ice time decreased or he was just a bit overshadowed by everything going on. He did play 16 minutes and his centerman, his centerman did get tossed halfway through. Right. Uh, the second line, like Fabry suitors, Adina, they got quite a bit of usage after that. And there was also a lot of PK time in the second half of the game, which Lucas Raymond doesn't play and not a lot of power play time. Uh, anyways, Lucas Raymond, when he was out there and was, you know, not overshadowed by whatever was going on in this circus of a game looked excellent. Same thing as we saw. Um, he was dangerous from that spot on the power play. He set up a lot of quality scoring chances, his pass to Robbie Fabry, who had a gorgeous one touch pass to Bertuzzi for the hat trick, right? Well, yeah, Fabry gets the primary assist on that, but Raymond set Bertuzzi up for that goal because when Raymond took the center of the ice, the Tampa defenseman had no choice but to follow him over as he took the space he got. So when he put the puck to Fabry, who was in the direction that Raymond was moving, it opened up space for Bertuzzi on the back door because that defenseman had to circle out. So it's just a smart hockey play that, you know, it goes down as a secondary assist, but he's the one who made it happen. Yeah. He's... um I don't know how many games he'll end up playing. Obviously, one game does not decide everything. But in a game with this much physicality, this much mayhem, this much uh, uh, chaos and stuff between the whistles, that was a really good showing, I felt, from both Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. And we didn't even talk about Moritz Sider's highlight of the night, which wasn't a pass. It wasn't a goal. Nothing like that. It was a steal. (laughs) It was a steal. (laughs) It was... Well, you you love it, Brad. You watch. It, it's my favorite moment of the entire night by far. It's just like nothing's happening between the whistles. I, I don't know if there was a bit of a scrum beforehand or whatever, but everybody's skating to their bench, and Victor Hedman's kind of just playing around with the puck a little bit as Mo Sider skating past him, and Sider's like, "Nope, that's my puck." Takes it from Hedman. And then another Tampa player comes over to get it back and Sider just fires it away into the boards with one hand. And, and then when uh, whoever that was in Hedman step up to confront Sider, I was like, what, you want to do something about it? <laughs> Sergachev. Yeah. I'll take a Sider-Sergachev matchup. I thought that would have yep. been a good go. Yeah. Not passing the punk test while stealing the pocket in between whistles from a back-to-back cup champion and former Norris Trophy winner and one of the best defensemen in the league. Yep. Nope. Not intimidated at all. <laughs> Love it. Prashanth had a tweet after the game, which I thought was really apt. It was a shitty loss. It was a terrible way to loss. Uh, terrible way to loss. Good thing I don't talk on a podcast. Terrible way to lose, obviously blowing that lead. But that has to be one of the most fun, fun, fun games we've watched in a long time. Our biggest complaint in the last two years were the Red Wings were bad and boring. Tonight, they were mostly just bad. <laughs> About the bad. Um, the DeKaiser-Heronic pairing. 
was atrocious. That's going to be a problem if it sticks. Yeah. Uh, Letty Sider was as good as a pairing could be against Tampa's offense, which yeah. is still more towards the ungood side, but they, they treaded water. I actually thought they were good overall. They were the best pairing yeah. uh, on the red on for the team that allowed seven goals. Um, Hronik and DeKaiser, they were pick whatever argument you want to say bad defense looks like. And they checked that box uh, a step slow. Yep. Giveaways. Yep. Out of position often. Yep. Uh, poor reads. Yep. It, it was all there. Um, there. There was almost no redeeming factors for either of them tonight, which was for DeKaiser, quite honestly, expected. But for Heronic, we were really hoping for a bounce back. Now, we're recording this immediately after the game, so I've had zero time to go back and, and watch back some of the plays that stand out to me. And I need to take beta blockers if I watch the footage of this game. <laughs> no, again. like because I try to put context to a lot of the situations. If I'm going to really dump on a player, I, I do want that second look. Like, did Hirona get burned on this play because he was covering for DeKaiser or something like that? Yeah, I have none of that context right now. I just have as basically the live viewing. But yeah, um, for our hope of Heronic bouncing back this year, this is about as poor of a start as could have been imagined. Heronic needs a Letty as much as Cider needed a Letty. Yeah. And maybe not like, you know, Letty moves the puck up the ice and is offensive. And maybe that's not what Heronic needs. He Maybe he needs the inverse, but you need a stabilizing pres- presence. And look, I have a lot of admiration uh, as a Red Wings fan. There's an, obviously an emotional part to to watching Danny DeKaiser play and knowing the injuries he's gone through and it's one game, you know, he's gone through a lot of tough injuries. Maybe he bounces back this season, but the way it's trending, they need to get a more capable person on the left, capable player on the left side of the defense to play with Hironic, especially with the kind of minutes they want Hironic playing. You can't have Danny D playing 21 minutes unless you want Shane Wright, in which case, by all means, <laughs> this, um, yeah, they, they really are deploying DeKaiser for all the right reasons. I would totally just, Put Troy Stetcher on the other side. Like, play him on his offside. Like, could it possibly be worse? I would say no. Stetcher should have been in the lineup to begin with. But I'm going to say this. Lindstrom did well, though. He was all right tonight. Yeah, he had that one really nice pass um, that led to Bertuzzi's second or third goal. Um, Second. I I say this. We've made jokes like this previously about a billion players and most of it sarcastically but i'm about to make a statement that sounds sarcastic but i need everybody to understand i mean this 100 percent literally philip ronick is better off if they put literally any other defenseman on his pairing this year de kaiser of the eight red wings defensemen who are up is the weakest link right now and i don't think it's particularly close now that mark stahl has had his quote-unquote career resurgence regressing from one of the worst defensemen into the league to like slightly below average now you put Osterley, Stetcher, Stahl, or Lindstrom there, and it's only going to help Heronic. De Kaiser. last year, towards the end of the year, my observations of him were it looked like he was trying to make the right play and his body just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I didn't even see that. He he looked lost out there. He He looked like he didn't know who to cover, what the right play was. First game of the season, Rusty. I can definitely say that for more than just him. But the other players I can say that about at least still have the physical tools to compensate for some of their poor decisions. DeKaiser doesn't have that. So when he's making poor decisions or blowing coverage, he is not an NHL player. He's just, he can't be with his his 
body the way it is now. Uh, other highlights of this game. Anything stand out to you guys? Um, actually, let me talk about Alex Nedeljkovic quickly. That uh, was going to be mine. You go for it. Well, talk. I probably wasn't going to say as many words. I was just going to say I thought he looked pretty good considering some of the fire he was under and the lack of defending there was at times out front of the net. Yeah. All of those words in that sentence can be weighted heavily. Yes. Welcome to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Welcome to Detroit. I agree. Ned at, especially at the start, I felt, I felt, yeah, you know, Nedeljkovic is more than holding his own here. Even the pucks that ended up start, like started to end up going in. I was like, they got him sliding left, right up and down, you know, on the penalty kill. Yes, yeah, Stamkos no. and Kucherov one-timers from their spots. Yeah, no, it's totally the goalie's fault on those ones. Yeah, Stamkos could be 45 years old and completely washed and will still rip those home from his his spot. And uh, Nikita Kucherov is one of the best players on the planet. So I thought he was good. Did it start to fall apart? Did he start to fall apart with the defense? Yeah. Do I necessarily take that as a bad sign? No. I. It sounds ridiculous to say all these good things about a team that just blew three goal leads lost in overtime, a goalie led in seven goals. But genuinely, the things you saw from Ned at the start, the things you saw from the Red Wings for the from a lot of the game, those are the good signs that you, that you look for. And for a team that's not going to look for wins in the win column or points in the standings necessarily as an indicator of what success is, overall, there are a lot of good and bad, but a lot of good learnings to come from this. So Ned, great game. No, he led in seven goals. Good game, all things considered. I'll, I'll give him that point. On, uh, uh. People are going to argue and say he let in seven goals. You can't. You're making excuses for the guy. You genuinely have to look at the context of the game. I don't blame him for going down with the ship with the defense today. Yeah, that that giveaway he had looked bad, but uh, that was ungood. <laughs> it was ungood. But watching live, I definitely picked up a defenseman, or it could have been a Tampa player trolling. I don't know. Um, but I definitely heard someone yelling, leave it, leave it, leave it. When it looked like Nedeljkovic was going to rim it around De Kaiser was the next person there, but he had, I want to say it was Alex Kalorn all over him. So if it was De Kaiser yelling, leave it, he definitely shouldn't have been that puck should have just been off Nedeljkovic's stick off the glass. And then it ends up wherever it ends up. It, it was a wrong play. Could you fault Nedeljkovic for just blindly trusting a voice behind him? Yes. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can. <have> to. <laughs> you can. Um, because guys will try to trick you. And if it was Kalorn yelling it, job well done. The oldest trick in the book. But yeah, so either, either way, like when a guy's coming in on you fast, you got to make a split second decision. You at least understand it. Um, it's helpful for it's helpful for Nedeljkovic's case to think that the only person who might want that night back more than him very well could have been uh vasilevsky if it wasn't for that three on three where bertuzzi letty and who else was it we got hemmed in for like three minutes fabry fabry they two minutes and 15 seconds where they just had to end up standing there because they couldn't move stood still they could not move in overtime (laughs) two minutes and 15 seconds without touching the puck i two minutes and 15 seconds of nhl level three on three against a team that just won the cup back to back there have never been three more tired hockey players in modern NHL history. <laughs> like genuinely. Yeah. I, I want to get into a rant about abolish the over and back rule, but uh, I have, uh, I have do not have the energy to complain more tonight. Um, yeah. All in all, Ned showed enough where I feel good about he like, he's going to have to, he's going to have to get used to games like this. Like this is what the Red Wings are on defense. Um, 
It was good this happened game one because now he knows what he's in for. Moritz Sider, I thought, looked more... There were times, especially early on, where I thought he looked really nervous. I thought his stride looked like locked up. The guy was hardly moving. Um, but he warmed up as the game went on. And in a game like this, for him to have graded out as well as he did, I thought was impressive. Lucas Raymond again, obviously, as we talked about. But the defense overall, it's Letty on the left side, and that's it. Like they're, that, That's going to be... When we talk about the Red Wings still being, you know, a basement team, more or less, and people are like, why? They improved so much. Could they push for the playoffs? This is what, if they do fall to the basement, this will be their undoing is the defense. Yeah, they still got the overtime with the cup champs. We can't take that away. Yeah. But but in a in a scoreline where you see 7-6, it, it's easy to just assume everything changed offensively, and it didn't. We all know the jokes about the Red Wings going into the third period with a one or two goal lead about how they just cave, shut down, yada, yada, yada. They did. Again, shots were 20-20 at one point, and I think they finished, what, 45-25? Oh, my God, Nadalkovich. I think he had 48 uh, shots at him. 48? Yeah, okay. Jeez. So the Red Wings did that age-old, we're just going to cave and collapse and defend uh, the lead in the third period, and it almost never effing works, and it cost them again tonight. And Because Bertuzzi's goal in the third period, let's be honest, that was a fluke at the end of a power play where he just happened to come out of the box at the right time, and Tampa gifted him a goal. Yeah, the Rasmussen and Nemesnikov one, that was legit attacking of the offensive zone and what they should have done a lot more of in the third period because, um, hey, it worked on that one. But yeah, no, this wasn't a completely different process of a loss last year. It was there was a lot of improvements. The power play um, when they got possession of the off in the offensive zone looked a lot better. They still had a lot of trouble getting it there, but when it got there, it was notably better. Way more puck movement. Way more general movement uh, by players away from the puck and. Um, players were trying more things. Like, I mean, Bertuzzi tried the through the legs move and it worked. So Mm -hmm. there was a bit more offensive creativity, but it wasn't a fully new game plan and it, and some old habits burned them. Um, okay. This is a late night episode. So there's a lot more to talk about with the home opener. We did, we had a lot of talk about, um, strategy and systems about the penalty kill during the live stream. We'll chat more about that. Spoiler, it's bad. Probably next episode. But for now, uh, I do want to jump into our chat with Ken. And I realize now that we didn't do the Jamie Daniels Foundation copy read. So uh, sorry about that. That's something I usually like to start the show with. Um, And you'll see a little bit when we talk uh, with Ken uh, about why we're partnered with the Jamie Daniels Foundation. But for new listeners uh, and, of course, returning listeners, uh, the more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative and was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And obviously, uh, we love having Ken Daniels on the show. Um, like I mentioned, we chatted with him before uh tonight's home opener so you have a little bit of a pre-mayhem commentary from ken uh as he we get an outlook on the season raymond cider uh the roster decisions that were made before today so without further ado enjoy this uh interview with recurring and one of our favorite guests ken daniels all right ken this is our uh this is our usual game now i don't even know if i need to do an intro anymore (laughs) no it's okay you don't need to 
All right, we are we're recording this two days before the season, so with our luck, uh, eleven things will change between now and then. But um, Red Wings season is underway. We have roster decisions. By the time people hear this, uh, there will have been an opening night game played. Lucas Raymond has made the team. Moritz Sider has obviously made the team. What do you make of uh, everything leading up into October fourteenth here? Well, in general, I think that the defense is pretty good. I mean, really, uh, I, I'd say as good as more than a quarter of the teams in the league in terms of depth, maybe half, maybe right there in the middle in terms of depth. I'm not saying they're going to perform that way. But when you look down at that group of eight and maybe you take, OK, if it's Lindstrom and, and Sider, we saw in the preseason, there's some mistakes there. Sure, and it's going to happen. So I told you guys a while ago, let's not have too many expectations. He's, he's 20. He's a kid. But overall, that, that group of six, and then when you add Sider and Lindstrom, who are going to be fun to watch and see them grow in that way, I think their defense is very solid. I really do. And not that they're great point producers outside of Letty, and you hope Peronic can come back. But overall, pretty good. So I like the team. Uh, I know starting out, people were talking about Bobby Ryan not being there. Okay, but you know, as Steve said, it's not like Bobby may not be back. He doesn't catch on somewhere else, and he might, and there's going to be injuries, and there's going to be call-ups. So Lucas Raymond, to try him out to start the season, good move. Uh, you mentioned the defense, and that, that actually just pinged something in my head. The last time you were on, you said you wanted the listeners to tell you what they thought your uh, your call should be the first time Mo runs someone over, which we haven't seen yet. And the prevailing opinion seems to be mowed down or mowed over. I like mode over. There's yeah. uh, there's a change in, in momentum, perhaps, yep. with a big hit. But I, I like mode over. Uh, I don't want to force it. Even when I was using the Datsuki and Deke, I tried not to. I could have used it every game, for goodness sake, <laughs> but I didn't. So you try to go once every five games or something. And you know, I, I'll, I'll try not to overdo it. I'm waiting for the, the one good one. It's got to be a good one, at least to get it out there. Yeah. And, you know... You mentioned, you know, Moe's, he has to get accustomed. You saw him almost look and like you saw the body movement where he wanted to run someone over, but he stayed restrained. He really didn't commit. It, it's coming, but I think it'll be it'll be a little while until he gets his uh, his feet under him. Yeah, and I don't think you want to go looking for it. And that's when you get caught and that's when you look really silly. Um, so, yeah, take, take your time and, and let the game come to you. You just got to feel it out first. And, you know, we, we saw in the puck off his stick in a couple of plays. And again, it's he's a kid and they are kids. And we're going to see it from Raymond, too. And we saw it from Zadina, who wasn't sure early going. So we're going to see that. That's why I said to Ryan a long time ago, let's have no expectations other than let's see the progress that they're making as the season goes on. And that should be our expectation expect to see something growing as as we go whether it be through game 10 ah now we're expecting to see something a little better at game 20 a little better at game 30 just be happy with the progression yeah and i think that's why the whole lucas raymond thing has been so fun because no one had really expectations for him to make the team out of camp we all thought he'll be down in grand rapids with bergen and valeno and this kid comes in and just and, and lights it up what was that like to watch yeah, I wasn't so sure he was going to be in Grand Rapids when I heard the Verona injury. Um, I wasn't so sure he was going to be in Grand Rapids. You may as well see what he has. And I know we talk about entry-level contracts and letting them slide. But and, I, and I've spoken to many different management teams in the National Hockey League over the years and talking about that. And it also depends on how many contracts you've got coming up and what year as you look down the road, who's coming up year after year after year. 
and you know, you've got cider and what bonuses are involved. Now you've got cider and Raymond starting this year. You'd think cider is going to play more than nine. Uh, Raymond can certainly play the nine that Bertuzzi won't play in Canada, but whatever, uh, you know, and if he plays them all, do you let one slide? I don't think they're that worried about it. Like if he's playing well, he's going to play well. They'll, they'll worry about that later. I don't think the contracts, the be all and end all, and they've still got lots of cap room. And I think as a management team, you figure that one out. But um, Raymond, when they talked about him, you know, when he was drafted and many said he's like a Mitch Marner. And you see the scene passes that he makes and the vision that he makes and on the power play, which looks totally different, even using Hironic on the flank and just you can see the passes that Raymond makes. So Alex Tangay is going to be key, but he's got so many different parts with which to work, which is wonderful. But Raymond worked on his shot a lot. His, uh, you know, his standstill shot has got a lot better since he's worked at it and he competes. He, he fights to get pucks back. So there's not much not to like and why not get a look especially early on and see how he handles it because what is going to be now middle October to the end of October is different than what it would have been end of September to uh, last week. So he's going to meet some different competitions. So let's see how he handles it. And if it's nine games, great. And if it plays 15, beautiful. We'll see what happens. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, you mentioned Bobby Ryan, and, and I know a lot of the fan base had they didn't struggle with that. It was just, you know, disappointing because obviously he's an easy guy to root for. And people were thinking, well, Bobby Ryan goes, that means Valeno stays. But Valeno, at least for now, is down. We'll, we'll see what happens with injuries. Is it uh, – I, I guess the question is here is what's your take on on the development of these prospects and, and your message to the fans having seen so many players come up, the different pace at which they make the team and and the value of going down to develop and things like that? There's certainly value going down. Uh, Valeno, whom you just mentioned, I think his value is what will his offensive ceiling be? Um, you know, I've said it even a year ago that Valeno can be Valeno can be a third line center in the NHL, no problem. Uh, he's added muscle. He looks stronger just looking at him. He's got speed. He's got smarts. He can play in his own zone, and so can Rasmussen play in his own zone. Very good defensively. But for Rasmussen, what's the offensive ceiling? For Valeno, what's the offensive ceiling? And that's where it's going to be your third line center. Can you become that second line? Who knows what Hugh Suter is going to be, you know, without maybe Patrick Kane. Or he's got some good wingers to play with, but can he drive play enough? What's he going to be? So for Valeno, you know, if you're going to improve your offense and at the American Hockey League level, how can you make plays in tight? How quick are you? Finding guys, you know, near the net. Can you make those plays? That's what we're going to see if Joe Valeno can do that. That's going to be really important. So I think him going down, playing with Jonathan Bergeron, finding his way there, he's going to get called up. There's going to be injuries, so we're going to see him in time. Um, so I, I, I think it's good. I think it's good, and Grand Rapids can use the time to see where he comes from. And you mentioned Philip Zadina as well. That's another player where people are have seen his development, and I know a lot of the numbers uh, don't exactly line up for Philip Zadina, but anyone who watched him last year knows that he, he did take a lot of important steps in his game. Uh, would you agree that this year would be a very important year in terms of him turning that development into pucks in the net or, or you know, assists or, or basically just production on the ice? What's his season in terms of expectations in your mind? Yeah, uh, I don't know in terms of goals because I'm not really sure where he's coming from in terms of goals right now. That That's the, that's the great unknown. But I, you know, on a, what is he now on a second line with uh, Suter and Fabry? That's right. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like, it, 
I don't know. It's not like Suter's Jonathan Taves, and he was Jonathan Taves when Taves wasn't there in Chicago. But I don't think he's Jonathan Taves, but still, he, he can make plays, you know. Um, was for Zadina. I think he's learned the defensive part and knows that he has to be responsible. I think he is a good passer too. He can make plays, but can he find the space? Can he get the first two steps to get open? That's the thing for me to Zadina. It's not blazing speed. It's having the smarts, which I think he does, but can he find that space to get open? Can he make those give and go plays and, and find that little bit of room and then use that shot and get it off? That's going to be the big question. I, I really, it's a great question because I don't know, is he a 15 goal scorer, 12 goals, 20 goals? I mean, I don't know what Rasmussen is to be healthy. Can Rasmussen get seven on the power play? You'd hope he'd get 10 at even strength, especially if he's third line, right? You'd hope. But is he 15 goals? Is he 20? Is he 12 goals? I don't know. I would hope that Rasmussen can score 15. I would hope that Sedina can score 15 to 20, considering where he's playing up in the lineup. But again, it's it's the great unknown right now. The defense you said is is uh, really strong, and obviously Nick Letty is a big driver of that. I think everyone knew Nick Letty would be good coming into camp, but were you surprised at all to see how quickly that stood out, and how much of that was you know what the Red Wings have had in the past compared to now? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It stood out to what the Red Wings have had in the past till now. Yeah. When you just relied on Hironic basically to move the puck and when Troy Stetcher decided he wanted to go once in a while. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, so Letty, I, th- I think you're, you're focused on Letty in one hand and then just watching Cider and how Cider's reacting to Letty, but Letty's got the green light and then him on the power play. So I think it's great to see a defenseman actually move the puck. Um, and the better he plays, the better return in the end at the, at the trade deadline. And I think he's going to be a good mentor for Mo Sider. And, and, you know, again, I don't think pairs by any stretch, like I always said to Jeff Blash, although it's a little different this year, perhaps we'll see how it goes. I used to say, who's with who tonight? And he goes, well, that's how we're going to start. And then, you know, a few minutes into the game, but all coaches can say that unless you've got those pairs that just aren't broken up. Even Tortorella would break up Jones and Wierenski, right? When things weren't going well, you'd mm-hmm. think, but if they weren't going well, they'd change them for a few games and in came Savard with somebody and had to move things around. So nothing's written in stone, but Letty to get the puck out of the zone and he's got good enough speed and size. I like him. I think it's great. And it can shield. Most cider can concentrate on defense when Letty rushes the puck. So, I, I saw him with the Islanders, and as good as Polak and Pelic and those guys are, and the Islanders are so deep, even then, the way Letty moved the puck, I like the way he moved it, um, where he had defensive guys and more structured on the island. But I think he stood out for me there whenever I saw him, too. So, again, by the time listeners are hearing this, it'll be post-home opener. But for you, Ken, looking forward to Thursday, what's it going to mean for you to be calling a game in an arena with fans again? How does that change the atmosphere for you? Hugely. Uh, the synthetic noise we always thought was strange, and it's very tough to do that. I think when they were in the bubble in Edmonton, especially, the audio guy there, and he's, and I'm trying to remember his name now, and I can't, but he's very well versed in the game, and they loved him, and he did a great job because it's not, you've got to anticipate when that shot's just going to miss or go in. It's not like hits the post and then a second later, ooh, you know, you've got to, you build it up. And that was always strange. And Mickey and I, 
we'd smile or laugh because it was so obvious and not just our building when you heard it in another building, even though we didn't travel off a studio and you could hear the noise and it was really weird when it didn't mesh properly. So to me, I can feed off the fans. You know, I don't necessarily love the whoop whoop thing. At the, you know, it's sort of is old, old for me, but uh, you, you you can feel it and you, you try to build as a play by play guy when the puck's coming up the ice, when they're behind their own net, you're not excited. You try to come through and when the game gets excited and the fans are in there, you can sort of build off them and you can also lay out. You can let it be quiet, let the fans bring it a little bit. You know what's going on. So unlike radio, you don't have to talk pass to pass to pass. You can lay out and that's when the crowd noise fills in. So for me as a play-by-play guy, it just naturally gets you up. So I love it. Looking forward to it and, and back in the gondola again and being able to travel with either Mick or Ozzy, uh, when Mick doesn't do road games. So, and to be the, the first game we're doing to go into Montreal, uh, even though Bert won't be there, we're going to Montreal <laughs> to, uh, be part of that game at the Bell Center. Yeah. Mick's going to make that trip and then into Chicago. I don't know if there's two better road buildings to call games from than Montreal. You're so close and Chicago, you're just in the midst of a, uh, of just loudness. It's great. Yeah, that's gotta be awesome. And it's Montreal's uh it's a good lead into, I want to talk about a couple events here that are going to benefit Jamie Daniels foundation. First one ties in with us, of course, winged wheel podcast night at the LCA, November 13th. We very specifically p- picked the Montreal game because that seemed like the easiest two points that we could find for the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and you did that before, before, unfortunately, Carey Price's issues. And you did that before right. uh, Evan's issues, right? You did that before right. yeah. Weber yeah. went down for the year. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or maybe forever, but we, we hope Carey's okay. Um, you know, it's good that we can talk about that and mm-hmm. mental health aspect and what Carey's going through and he's not alone. Mm-hmm. And I know Robin Leonard spoken out. I'm glad. And you mentioned that in the foundation. That's what we're trying to do. We have to continue the conversation. And that night, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'll be down there to visit. I haven't broached the subject yet with Mick, but I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll make his way over to see you guys too. So we're looking forward to that. I think it's wonderful. And again, uh, the foundation thanks you and I thank you and you guys do a great job and, and you support us and we'll support you guys where we can. Oh, I appreciate that. And, and we're just uh, happy to, to have the opportunity to support. And then of course, one more thing here, November 22nd, the roast of Brett Hall is airing. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we taped it a few weeks ago. Uh, Brian Burke, who was Brett's first agent, now president of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Ken Hitchcock, Stanley Cup winning coach with Brett in 1999. Uh, Garth Butcher, who played with Brett. Kelly Chase, who played with Brett. Um, and the relation to Dennis Hall is he's Brett's uncle. So he, he's in a tune. Darren Pang is hosting the roast portion in Cintron. Uh, premium energy drinks has come on board. You'll see their brand on the boards now at Little Seizures Arena and great folks there. So they're supporting the roast portion. Delta Dental is our presenting sponsor again. So. Uh, with the roast, and we'll also tell the stories, our mission, uh, families who have lost, families who are, have gone through it, and uh, the survival and what you could do. And uh, we're, you know, when people say, where does the money go? It's uh, We have the Jamie Daniels Memorial Scholarship at Michigan State for those who uh, are at Michigan State and in recovery and perhaps have to leave um, to go back into rehab. We'll offset the cost of that. We pay for a full-time recovery coach. We're now at Mid-Michigan Central uh, Ferris State and working with the University of Michigan as well. So hopefully by uh, year's end, we'll be in five colleges helping one way or another and writing grants. And then we're also hopefully, 
by the end of next year of 22, get everything in the political sphere nailed down to build long-term safe recovery housing of 80 units uh, in Oakland County, Michigan. So that's where the funds are going, which your folks, your listeners, so uh, graciously donate to. And uh, the roast of Brett Hall will air November 22nd on Valley Sports Detroit. For those of you in Canada, you can watch it on YouTube or through jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And you can also go there, I believe, starting November 1st at four in the afternoon, jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And if it's not that day, it'll be the next day. You click on the auction button and you can sign up. The silent auction will run through noon on the 23rd. So it'll run one day after the roast airs. The roast will air on Bally Sports Detroit, 8 o'clock to 9.30, and then 9.30 to 11 again on November 22nd, a Monday night. The auction will be open until noon the following day. So you can bid, get alerts on your phone when you sign up. And we've got fabulous items I've mentioned to you guys before and and plenty of Red Wing tickets and, you know, sweet and tickets and club seats for food and parking and golf trips and memorabilia, including I have a photo of Wayne Gretzky signing the early 80s Nielsen chocolate 50 card set, which we're going to have framed beautifully. As you can see both sides and Wayne is signing it. Uh, it's It'll be a beautiful piece. So lots of stuff to be had, many game use sticks, etc. Mike Tyson signed boxing gloves and a Red Wing guitar signed by Steve Eisenman. So, so many different things. Check out the auction site. And if you're a Pulp Fiction fan, John Travolta signing the Pulp Fiction poster. That's pretty cool in its frame. So lots of stuff. I'm excited for people to check it out. I think hockey fans and non-hockey fans will find uh, many different things to purchase. And I got to tell you, the roast, I was laughing out loud uh, just listening to those guys. And we found a, a through Ian Bag, who appeared at at Jamie's uh, first rose for Mickey, very funny comedian in Los Angeles. And um, Ian introduced me to uh, Oscar LaFont, who's a uh, an animator in Florida. And he does fantastic work. So we gave him four of the stories that were told, and he's animating them um, for TV. So, or oh, on YouTube, awesome. which you can watch. So it'll, it'll be... Uh, a lot of fun. I'm really excited. You know, when we when we roasted Scotty virtually uh, for Scotty, it was a lot of tributes for Brett. We're not giving Brett tributes. <laughs> He's making fun of himself. So there's the comedy factor. And I hope you haven't heard many of the stories that will be told. And we're trying to get some other folks to come on board and tell their stories of Brett, too. Not just those who roasted, but um, yeah. and Stephen Page from the Bare Naked Ladies will sing another song where we can honor those who sponsored as well. So pretty cool. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah, we can't wait. Thank you, uh, Ken. So again, Jamie, jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And, and we'll be putting all this on the Twitter feed on the website as well. So uh, much appreciated. Ken Daniels, lead announcer, Detroit Red Wings. I'm sure you were just listening to him call this uh, the home opener against Tampa Bay. Ken, Did thanks we win? I hope we won. <laughs> well, you know this. You know ahead of time, right? That's how that works? That's right. I know ahead of time. but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to tune in to find out. Thanks, Ken, for coming on the show. Talk soon. Thank you, Ryan. Hi to Brad and Evan. All right. That was our chat with Ken Daniels. Thank you so much, uh, Ken, for jumping on the show. Uh, really looking forward to the auction. Really looking forward to the roast of Brett Hall. Um, I've been, I think, I'm not sure if Ken said it on the interview or otherwise, but uh, when it was the roast of Scotty Bowman, it was a lot of comments like honoring Scotty Bowman. This was a roast of Brett Hall. Like who is more roastable in the NHL and who will take it better than Brett Hall? Like that's going to be a good one. Uh, and you will have seen, we'll talk more about this in the future, but uh, we have started in partnership with uh, Prashanth Iyer, um, a campaign to have a season long fundraiser for the Jamie Daniels foundation called wings money on the board. How does it work? You pick a player, 
the whole team, the power play unit, whatever you want to do, uh, an action or event. So for every goal, for every successful penalty kill, for every failed power play, whatever you want to do, and a certain amount of money, and you pledge uh, that amount of money every time that thing happens over the course of the season. For example, uh, one of the pledges was a dollar for every Dylan Larkin penalty minute this season from Sarah <laughs> from Helmeroids on Twitter because she said, um, well, it looks like I won't be donating anything because Larkin would never. Oops. <laughs> Thank you for being so charitable, Dylan Larkin and Helmeroids. Um, whatever it is you want to do, I know a lot of people have things about uh, Nadelkovic saves, or Lucas Raymond goals, more cider hits. Even if it's $0.10, cents, $10, $100, whatever it is, uh, it's going to be season long. We're also going to have one-off games to do a uh, little spin-off version. So you can do a pledge just for that game. We'll have jerseys to give away. Uh, there will be jersey prizes at the end of the season that you'll be entered into. We'll be giving you away stickers, memorabilia, meet and greets um, uh, with you know Ken Daniels, less important us, whatever it might be, uh, and more prizes and stuff to come. So uh, stay tuned for that. Wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog. Check out that post for more on uh, Wings Money on the Board. We'll give this proper justification when we are not all ass tired to passing out at the at the mics. Okay. In fairness to Evan, I think we should jump into overtime here. I've been asleep for the past five minutes. <laughs> what do you mean in fairness to Evan? Don't I get up before him? No, but you are just pure <laughs> energy. You know what it is like? You know no, I'm not. I just fake it really well. <laughs> Being friends with Brad is what it's like to pu- to what it's like to chew five gum. You'll never not know how no. I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to jump into overtime. I know we have a ton of questions because that was a crazy game. We won't be able to get to all of them, but I promise we'll try to get to uh, as many as we can. Uh, overtime in the Winged Wheel podcast midweek episode is brought to you by Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel pod. Jake Bloom, um, very important, says, what are your preferred, preferred hot dog condiments? Ketchup. There's people who will kill you for that. I don't get it. I don't understand the whole and I wel- war. I welcome the battle. <laughs> I welcome death. Okay, we are just so I'm clear. We are talking hot dog and not like sausage or anything. We're just a plain basic hot dog. Hot dog. Ketchup and mustard. Yeah. I do ketchup and mustard. When they give me sauerkraut, I'll do sauerkraut and mustard. Not sauerkraut only works on sausage. That's why I was asking because that's my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh for someone who's militant about a lot of foods like pizza and poutine and stuff, I actually am pretty open on hot dogs. I, people have hard opinions on that, though. No, no. If you're eating a hot dog, you should not have a hard opinion on anything. You're eating a hot dog. You know what you're doing. Uh, Cody Stark says you're at a steakhouse. What cut are you ordering? What temp? And your two sides and drink. Oh, God. So, okay. I'll take an A5 Wagyu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going <laughs> It really depends, like, because I, I get in moods for different types of steaks. I, I usually find I go rare to medium rare on a top sirloin with garlic mashed potatoes. Garlic and then, mash has to be. And then some kind of veggie. Um, the, I've seen people order Wagyu and get it rare because they want all their steak rare. But with Wagyu, you're really supposed to go medium rare at least if not just medium. let the chef cook I, it the yeah way they want. I, I once got a me- had the privilege to get a medium rare japanese wagyu and i'm almost upset i did because no steak has lived yeah, up since yeah, it, yeah. I, i'm like there's no way it lives up to the hype it's like 300 for this tiny piece of oh oh i get it yeah i get it yeah 
I'll generally get rare, but if it's a nicer cut like that where there's more fat that needs to render out. If I'm spending enough money on a steak where it's like I'm telling people about it after, my order is I tell the um, server, however the chef thinks it should be cooked, that's how I'll eat it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, my favorite phrase is my dad gets his steaks like blue rare. I once heard him use the term, if a skilled doctor could save it, put it on a plate for me. <laughs> I've had blue rare once. My jaw was hurt what? So yeah, I, yeah, I was not a fan. I had a, I got a piece of his and I'm like, no, never again. And also I can only do rare if I really trust the restaurant. <laughs> um mark chandonet says i'm still a fairly new listener so i'd love to know how you guys all met and how the podcast started goings three strangers on the internet well evan was once taking a uh naked swim in a fairy glen and uh brad emerged from the earth and said no i'm kidding um we just all happened to be in the same city two of us brad put out posts on social media i was also looking to do a podcast thing we all met up no one stabbed each other yet (laughs) And here we are. It's insane we didn't know each other before, and now we wish we didn't. <laughs> All of this is completely true. Evan has so few regrets in his life, <laughs> just but one really big one. <laughs> Evan has two regrets, and he sees them twice a week. <laughs> uh, Simon says, is it bad if I want the Kraken to struggle their first season? I don't want their fans to turn into Nashville fans thinking they're better than everyone and not understanding hockey. No, I want the Kraken to succeed. It's fun. Like, I was very much on the the Vegas hype wagon when they did what they did in their inaugural season. Also, I'm a fan of growing the game. I'm one of those assholes. We got to grow the game because legitimately, the more money hockey gets, the better it is for hockey. So, if an expansion team comes in and sucks, that's a lot of missed fans. So, yeah, no, I, I want them to do well. I want them to make the playoffs. Uh, Zoe Holmstrom asked, who do you think will score the first goal of this season? I'm still mad. It's not Bobby. Sad. It's not Bobby Ryan. I'm going to guess Tyler Bertuzzi. We kind of screwed Zoe over here on this one. I'm going to say, I'm going to agree. Yeah. Uh, Evan actually thinks it's going to be Adam Ernie. Uh, Cam Mugford says, loved all the off season content and can't wait to get the new season started. I know the goalie situation has really improved with Nadelkovich and drafting Kosa. Question is, what's the update on Philip Larson? No, I'm changing my answer. Dylan Larkin's going to score the first goal of the season. Oh, my God. What? How did we forget that? That was like five hours ago, man. <laughs> I actually, Oh, my God. We actually forgot Larkin scored. We didn't even talk about the fact that Larkin scored off. Like, he it was, it was the dirtiest of dirtiest Yeah, goals. it was a really shitty goal. Nobody should be proud about that. No, <laughs> you should be. That's, that's a goal. Score. That's a hockey goal. That's, a, that's the goal the coach is most happy about at the end of the night. What a goalie just whiffing on a knuckleball from like no, the you, top of the circle. You capitalize on it. You crash. You go to the net hard. You crash the net. You make them know Listen, that's your man, stuff. I have to listen to Canadian <laughs> hockey media. I hear that shtick enough. Let's get back um, to proper hockey talk. What happened to Philip Larson? What's the update on him? Is it I haven't heard a goddamn thing this year, so I just assume he's dead. He Philip Larson at one point looked poised to jump up the um did that the depth chart for the Red Wings, but much like the rest of their depth chart before Kosa was drafted, no one has really seized that opportunity. He the redeeming factor with him is it was mostly due to injury rather than him declining. He just could not string together a couple healthy months and just never seemed to piece it together once the injury started. He's on loan. To where? Hockey Al Svenskan. Oh, the second Swedish league, yeah. Yeah, it's not a great sign at this point. Um, join the Darksider. 
who's a new patron. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club. And yes, I am stealing that. Thank you to whoever that was who suggested it. Uh, says, decide to finally support you guys and become a Patreon member. Outside of giving uh, way to Raymond being on the opening night roster, what do you think are the other rippling effects of this team with Verona out? I.e. less or more production from Zadina, Fabry more minutes, etc. I... Pick one player in the top six that you think is the weakest player in the top six, and that's the ripple effect. The ripple effect is Fabry and Zadina aren't bumped out of the top six. That's exactly it. Yeah, it, it would be one or the other. Knowing Blashill, it would be Zadina. So, yeah, I'll say that's the ripple effect. Taylor Tagel says, uh, pumped for the season much more in the past few years. Just want to say, keep up the great work. Looking forward to the high-quality insight and analysis. Go Wings Go. See you at the Dub Dub event in November. I'm going to be bringing my Red Wings head covers for Evan to sign. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt S. I I can just see there's this lineup for Evan at a table to sign everything. Well, me and you are just kind of standing in the corner like, hi, guys. (laughs) We're here, too. We're going to be able to take a nap. It's going to be great. Evan's going to be white. Mistake number one by me. Like, (laughs) we're going to have to wear name tags. (laughs) No, because that'll make us less likely to be visited. We're going to have to pretend we're Evan. All three of us are going to don't, don't promise me with a good time. <laughs> um, Matt S says, what a first game back for full or for full fans. LCA was rocking top by Burt's Hattie plus one, the Larkin Joseph incident. I don't blame Larks for trying to take Joseph's head off. Hopefully it's nothing longer than like a one gamer. I would have done the same thing to Joseph. Um, sad to give up four goals in the last eight minutes. By the way, Ryan, I DM'd Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter for picks on my road trip. Yes, thank you. Sorry, things have been crazy. Everyone, I, there's a lot of messages I have to reply to. If you've DM'd or emailed or sent us something through the website, I promise you I've seen it. I will reply reply to you. We've just been. I realized I hadn't checked my message request in like two months on Twitter. And then I opened it. I am so sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, Nick Amalfi <laughs> says, do you think Raymond keeps number 23 or does he switch to 18 once Stahl leaves? Uh, I'll say he keeps it. Guys, it's rare guys switch numbers. William Nylander just did it, and he's paying for all the changes. He did it like three years ago. He can ago. afford it, I think. Again this year. Wait, what number is he this year? Uh, I can't remember. I thought he was still 88. Nylander number switch, right? Uh, Unless it wasn't recently. No, it was years ago. Why do I think that was recent? Because time is a construct that we have completely lost track of. Oh. God, I'm losing it. Josh Terrell says, is Sobrango progressing faster than expected, or is he just a high-floor guy who can handle the early move to the A? Both. Um, John Schultz didn't expect to be back in the comments so soon, but Evan mentioned Slipknot, and between the buried and me, forced my hand. Also, all the other uh, BTBAM fans chiming in here. Who knew there were so many progressive metal brethren in the Brethren in this community. Just another reason among many, this place is amazing. Noah and I saw them live at the House of Blues, Chicago in August. Evan and everyone else, go see them live if you get the chance. Uh, I thought, have you guys considered renting ice and having a winged wheel podcast pickup game at the meetup, at a meetup? Yes, we have. We're just waiting for that to be a little bit more viable now. Um, Noah and I would be uh, would be in, and yes, we would definitely love to see you both there. Um, mostly because Noah is cooler than you and a goalie, so that's like you said, one of them covered. You keep doing you. Love this community. Thank you as always, John. Chad uh, Chad Hiresack says Danny DeKaiser is only thirty one years old. That's all. Hope you guys enjoyed the oh game. My God. We're back, baby. He's only thirty one. He's the oldest thirty one year old ever. I, I genuinely feel bad. Like, I don't feel good ripping on Danny DeKaiser and saying, like, you know, he's a liability because that guy's body has just been destroyed. 
I thought I was the oldest 31-year-old. You still might be, honestly. <laughs> at 1035, yeah, you when you when you looked at a very specific time on the clock and said, this is when I put my phone down, like, I was, I, I was, you said that, and I was like, oh my uh, God. Exactly one hour ago. I, like, yeah, I am not the oldest person on this podcast. That's, no, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> Uh, Colorado 14ers says in 02, I was engaged to a girl from the Etobicoke section of Ontario and got to experience Canadian Thanksgiving with her and her family. While the day was nice, when I was asked by her father at the dinner table what I was thankful for, I expressed my gratitude for the Leafs elimination by Carolina, as well as my unbridled merriment for the Wings Third Cup in five years. Uh, this was the greatest George Costanza moment of my life. By American Thanksgiving, I was thankful that she agreed, she agreed to give the ring back. What a twist. Oh my God. You know what? I always cheer against the Leafs, but I'm actually still mad at Toronto for losing that series to Carolina because the O2 Cup would have been that much sweeter if we beat Toronto in the finals to get it. I do agree, but you don't tempt fate. You can't change history. Yeah, Toronto also like screwed over the hockey world from a Montreal-Toronto final in 1993. We don't forget you screwing everything up, Toronto. Evan Beckner says, just want to say thank you to everyone in the fantasy league uh, that let me have Brady Kachuk um, with my fourth pick. Yakaruta says, hello from Helsinki in Udenman Makunta. It is yet another season to get dis- disappointed by various Red Wings players. So here are some easy over-unders. Philip Sedina, 49 and a half points. I'll say under, but, but not by much. He is on pace for 82 currently. <laughs> I'll say under. Lucas Raymond, nine and a half games. Oh, bite me. <laughs> Over. He look, He held water against the best team in the world tonight. I'll say... I'll say over. I'm going to go with the over, too. Moritz Sider, 25 and a half points. I'm going to go in the under here. I'm going over. I'll go over, too. Ooh. Two points tonight, and he was getting... Uh, he was quarterback in the second power play unit. That's not nothing. Dylan Larkin, 62.5 points. Under. Well, if he keeps throwing haymakers, it won't yeah. be an over. <laughs> I'm taking the over. I believe in Dylan. Giovanni Smith, five and a half fights. Uh, I don't think he'll play enough to, for five, for six fights. So if he didn't get in a scrap tonight, he's not getting in many. Steve Eisman, four and a half trades. Under. 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 Kyle Kragitz says, to open the, tw- the Red Wings season, uh, my daughter was born. Everyone is healthy. Let's go Red Wings. Kyle, congratulations. Very happy to hear that everyone is healthy. Um we got to get her in a wind wheel podcast onesie. I'm glad she was born on a night where at least the game was entertaining. I'll be at a loss. Third man in says, so happy to see hockey is back on ESPN and holy hell, the ESPN plus web players, hot garbage. YouTube TVs is miles ahead. And honestly, so is NHL center ices. And it crashed on me at least once a game. Anyways, looking forward to another season with you goofs in the dub dub club. Hopefully that improves. TNT's broadcast was fun. I was absolutely here for Wayne Gretzky taking a shootout on Charles Barkley. I, I thought both ESPN and TNT did a good job. Yeah, like that was the exact type of nonsense I was hoping for when with the broadcast switch over. Like as soon as I saw just like the thumbnail of Charles Barkley in goalie gear, I'm like, I'm in. Uh, Slava Gerasimchuk said, just had a baby boy on August 27th. So many babies. Congratulations, Slava. A future Wings fan. How do I get a winged wheel onesie when I tried to open the product page and the site freezes? That's excellent to hear. Um, <laughs> DM us on Twitter. I'll help you out. Andrew Fortier says, very disappointed to hear Evan uh, doesn't like football. What does he do all weekend? He golfs. Yes. That's what Evan does all weekend. And when you say, what does he do in the winter? We can only assume hibernate. Oh, don't worry. I'm buying a launch monitor. 
I just assumed you went to those indoor golf clubs all the time. I don't have to with a, with a launch monitor. I'll have one in my own home. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, however, I'm a little jealous because it means the Lions don't break his heart every Sunday. Yeah, that's why he can live with himself. I have a solution for you. I just watched a Red Wings <laughs> game that seemed like it was on brand to be a Lions game. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi says it's so good to be back. Uh, oh, Andrew says, I can't wait to see you on November 13th. Obi-Wan Kenobi says it's so good to be back, violently cr- crushing $13 beers at the LCA. I don't even care if we score a goal tonight. Um, Babe Landiscog says, I managed to get both Cider and Raymond on my fantasy team. Hope it pays off. Have you guys ever tried your own version of a prospect pyramid like Dangle or something similar? We've talked about it. We should. I think we've been waiting for the right time to do it, and it was probably last summer. I mean, we do prospect rankings every year. Same shit. Yeah, but pyramids are a shape. I'm going to do a pyramid. Not a pyramid. I'm going to do a prospect rainbow. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what any of the lines will mean. It'll just be names. (laughs) We are jumping into uh, sleep territory, so we're going to try and get squeeze a few more in here. AJ Voss says, what would be the first three things you would do if you're given the job of the president of the Red Wings and had a total say in both hockey and business ops? Seats, red. Um, jersey ads, find someone who will pay to leave a blank and promo the hell out of them everywhere else. And the third thing is Barber Pole third jersey. I'm going Barber Pole third jersey, new coach, and red seats. In terms of hockey ops, I don't care. Steve's got it under control. Steve, uh, Stevie Langerman says, happy opening day. Couldn't be more stoked for the season. I found out I won't be able to make winged wheel podcast night. I'm bummed. I play in a hockey tournament on an outdoor rink in the mountains. Yeah, that's a good enough excuse. Is it? Uh, I'll be with the dub dub club in spirit. Uh, are you guys able to watch the ESPN and TNT broadcasts? Depends. Some yes, most no, uh, but thought they were great. And we'll be chatting more about them next. Yeah. Podcast. Any, any national game in the States we get. So, um, for the most part, um, I have uh, Rogers NHL center. So I get access to all of them, but most Canadians won't. Um, Red Wing Dingaling says, so is Robbie Fabry currently the hottest Red Wing? And Vaxed, Waxed, and Blocked from Evan's Hot Tub Time Machine says, your mom's the hottest Red Wing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that exchange. Uh, 2022 Jack Adams winner Jeffrey Bla- Blashill Stan Club says, Ken Daniels saying, as he gets more confident, Cider will get more and more hits. Or should I say, Mo and Mo hits. Followed up by 30 seconds of radio silence is the pinnacle of broadcasting. Poor Ken. Um... There are more comments here. I'm so sorry. I want to get to all of them. We'll make it up to you uh, next episode. Maybe we'll take more. We'll do something Patreon exclusive. Uh, We'll figure it out. But for now, we do have to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast uh, so we can get to sleep and and so our significant others don't kill us. Everyone, the Red Wing season is back. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, What a chaotic first game. What a chaotic day. even if it's a loss, we hope that the team and the league, or sorry, the team and the Red Wings are at the very least uh, exciting. Moritz Sider was exciting. Lucas Raymond was exciting. Dylan Larkin, for one reason or another, was exciting. So here's to that continuing and for it to be 81 more games of fun. Although maybe not this much fun. Evan may not survive that. No, I won't. 
We want to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver, Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam, and Jamma Thong, Taylor Tadgel, Brandon M. Um, Matthew M. Rice, Arjun Shanker, oh, I'm all backwards, uh, Carl Brutina and Anna Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin in the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, My Balls Itch, Matt McKay, <laughs> RA, Revan Lobsaber, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Stove Eyes are playing Joe Santangelo, Vaxed Wax and Blocked from Evan's Hot Tub Time Machine, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Dylan Larkin's Fat Ass, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevivar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Take care, everyone. Get some sleep. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.